Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Happy New Year, and thank you guys for tapping into Nick Ish. You got your boys Mo, Nafi, and Faiz. Uh, here's a fact. The Knicks have not lost in the year 2023 and looks like they're on yet another winning streak. But we'll get to all that. First, check out our website, nick-ish.com, and copy yourself some Nickish apparel. High-quality, dope-looking stuff made for Knicks fans by some dudes from Queens. So go ahead and check that out today. Again, that's www.nick-ish.com. Now bringing in my man, Nafi. What's going on, bro? Not much, man. I mean, not much to complain about. It's been a bright and uh, very good 2023, as you covered. Our Knicks are, uh, you know what I mean? Not much to complain about as far as uh, what we've seen on the basketball court. And also, Happy New Year, right? It's our first episode of 2023. Yep. Happy New Year to y'all fellas and to our, uh, our listeners and audience. Ready to get started. How you doing, Faiz? I'm doing good. You know, four-game win streak. How are you supposed to complain? Happy, you know, Happy New Year. Excited. Excited to start this episode. We're ready to hit it off with the four-game win streak, fellas. Like, I feel like every other episode, or every episode we do now, it's like we're, we're like, having a state of the union, and it's always, like, a topsy-turvy thing. You know what I mean? We went from that horrific losing streak that followed a, a, an incredible winning streak, and now we're back on uh, the good side of things. But uh, we can start there, right? First topic of the day. How are we feeling now? Four-game win streak. You know what I mean? Coming off uh, a dub, obviously. I feel like Tibbs is, like, this man just dodging bullets, bro. Like, Nine every single lives. time. You know, like, how's he doing this? Like, he'll go on another. Like, it'll be one of the worst losses you've seen. Like, the, the loss against the, the Mavs was pretty bad. Like, Luka has a all-time performance. We're at the other end of that. You think this is it for Tibbs back against the wall. And, man, he, he finds a way, man. He finds a way four games in a row to, to get the fans back on board. So, it's like fucking Neo. Just dodging, <laughs> dodging bullets left <laughs> and right is Tibbs. I mean, I, it's it's... It, I'll say first off the bat, the fact that the Knicks have not lost a game in 2023, won four in a row, we're four games above a uh, 500. It's a good feeling. The, we're we're a good team. We're a solid team. We're where we should be. Um, obviously, we're such a streaky team that it gets frustrating. And they're they're playing in a style where they give us stressful moments where they have leads that they're almost ready to give up, like that that last game against Toronto. But fact of the matter is, all the players are playing in an equilibrium kind of way where we're getting these wins and we're playing at a high level. Shout out to Julius Randle. This man should be and deserves to be an all-star. I'll say it from the top. We should all vote him in. We'll talk about how we feel about him long-term, but right now, currently, he's playing like a monster. Top, He's playing like a top 10, top 15 guy in the NBA, at least as far as the last 10 or so games go. He he deserves, he deserves every all-star vote that we can give him. Um, and... Um, Shout out to Brunson. Shout out to the team. Shout out to Tibbs. He's playing them well. He's putting them in positions to succeed and to play well. And, yeah, I mean, it's hard to be upset when the team is winning in a way where we're not heavily relying on veterans because we don't really have these veterans like we did last season taking up the bulk of the minutes. We have young guys, youth guys. We have Deuce McBride stepping up. We have IQ stepping up. Uh, we have Mitchell Robinson stepping up. All these guys are, you know, 26 and under uh, playing at a high level, getting these wins for tips. So 
I'm I'm happy. I would prefer it not be coming in streaks where we have losing streaks and winning streaks. But you know what? At the end of the day, we're we're winning games and we're moving in a positive direction. We'll get more into how we feel about long term in a bit. But yeah, how do you how do you feel, Nafi? I mean, my thing is, what makes this like little stretch a little even more impressive is just like we have, we've been doing it without RJ, right? He's still out with that lacerated uh um injury or lacerated finger injury or whatever it was. Um, Obius has been out, you know what I mean? That's been going on for weeks now, and he just kind of is, like, ramping back up, you know what I mean? Like, they sent him down to the G League. Did he get playing time against the Raptors? Did he? Nah, right? So, no. um, we still got that uh, coming. Cam, obviously, is out in exile. So, despite all these, like, kind of issues swirling around the team, four-game win streak, Julius is the obvious main character, I feel like, of this win streak, aside from Tibbs. Um, and I guess that's the conversation we want to have, right? Because like, I know we always joke, like, anytime, like, things seem well, my guy, or our guy Mo here always is like, you know what, we should sell high on Julius, you know, just learn our lesson, right? And I'm the one that's saying, nah, you're introducing bad vibes. But all told, I think I'm ready to kind of come around on that idea. Bad, like, bad, like despite any bad vibes that might come, come around, Julius is killing it, bro. You know what I mean? And at this stage, like, Give him all due respect and all props, you know what I mean? Especially coming from, like, us who have generally been more on the negative side of things as far as Julius. Objectively, he's playing better than he did in that magical season. You know, like, he's cut out a lot of those long twos. Like, he's still shooting from the mid-range where it's closer. I feel like he's drawing fouls better than he ever has, you know what I mean? Um, his efficiency is the best ever of his career. And the shot profile that's coming with it as, like, a main focal point of our offense, that in itself is impressive, right? But... We still have to acknowledge the elephant in the room. We got Obi, you know what I mean? Like, we all think he's an exciting young player. And we have the context of, you know, Julius has played well before and we missed out on an opportunity to cash in, you know what I mean? We actually maybe even double down, give him the extension or, like, commit to him, you know what I mean? I think right now, going into January or end of January and then February with the tread deadline coming up, it's all looking like, you know, if we're in a situation where we wanted to sell high, it's looking like a golden opportunity. And I think we need to cash in on that, you know? If we're ready to have that conversation and kind of move past the four-game win streak. Let's what do, do you it. think, Faiz? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you all the way. I, I want to, like, uh, sit and enjoy this win streak more. But, like, at the same time, we have to look at the real-life real, <clears throat> real life situation where we, rarely are teams given an opportunity like this where – a player has the amazing season. We re-sign him to a, a, a decent contract. His value goes all the way down to the point where people are talking about attaching assets to move his contract to back to where now we would be gaining assets back. So, you know, it's like fool me once, fool me twice, that type of situation because it's like you, you don't get that opportunity to trade Randall a second time, do it over again. And now we have the do-over button right in front of us with an older Randall. And uh, we talked about it offline. And I, I think the main reason that I'm like kind of like just like beating this drum is mostly because uh, you can take advantage of a team that's desperate at the trade deadline. But if we get into uh, the postseason again, let's say the Knicks get into the play-in or even the playoffs and Randall has another bad performance like he did against the Hawks, all of a sudden those trade talks are way different. So we talked about it last week when we had our guests over. Um, this could be a situation like where the Magic took advantage of the Bulls by moving off a player like Vucevic, who always has like a top, like a borderline top twenty type of play season, but isn't really gonna take you far. And then you can net like two first round picks, maybe even one first round pick, which which would be fantastic for a guy like Randall. Like at the end of the day, 
And this is not to say that Randall isn't a fantastic player. Like, 235-point performances, like, winning basketball. He's winning us games. Like, you know, making players around us better and whatnot. But the thing is, I just don't think he fits in our timeline necessarily and fits in our roster with his specific play style. And I think we should strike while the iron's hot, while he's still this all-star caliber player. Yeah, I mean, some some accolades for, for Randall currently. He's... He has the most 20, 10, and 5 threes in the NBA right now. Um, mm. He's shooting 46 and 35 from the three. He's averaging about eight threes per game as a volume shooter. <laughs> Top 10 in the NBA in points and rebounds. I think the only other player that's doing that is Giannis Attentacumpo. I think you guys are familiar with that guy. Kind of, right? And he has a career low in turnover percentage. My thing with, with Randall, and like Nafi mentioned, I've always been on the on the sell high, buy low kind of kind of place, and I'm still on that train. Because Randall's playing at this level with R.J. Barrett not on the court. And that's that's the guy who gets a lot of touches. He's our number three pick. He just got that extension. He should be playing a bulk of miss and sh- getting a bulk of the shots. When R.J. and Randall are on the court at the same time, they don't pr- produce at this kind of level. That's just a fact. Last season, R.J. Paid, played his best basketball when Randall wasn't on the court. Randall's mm. playing his best basketball with, when R.J.'s not on the court. And oh, and to add on to to that, Randall's playing his best basketball right now with thousands and thousands of fans at the arena every game. And I know we mentioned multiple he times beat that those maybe allegations, yeah, yeah the we, arena us us you know me and Nafi for years uh, in the past have mentioned like yo maybe it was because it was a it was a bubble season, no fans, and that's he didn't have that that pressure. But kudos to him, he's balling out with all these fans, and he's gotten MSG to have his back yet again. So. All credit, MVP all, chance, MVP a, chance at yeah, the end of the game. Deserve yeah. it too. We we called him King Julius in the past for a reason. I don't want to call him that right now because we know what's on the other side of the coin, and there's no reason why We've we shouldn't assume that that isn't going to happen again. But that's that's just to say that right now he's playing his best basketball. RJ's not on the court. Let's let's flip him, get some assets, maybe get a better player. Maybe we can get Mikael Bridges. I mean, Phoenix is not playing that hot, but they have a short window with Chris Paul being a point guard of that team. Let's let's see what we can get with with Randall. Put him put him on the trading block and let RJ and whoever whichever player comes from Phoenix come in and ball out, but the fact of the matter is that he's been carrying Randall's been carrying the brunt of the heavy minutes. RJ's been injured, Brunson's been injured, Mitch has been injured. All these starters have been injured. Quinn Grimes has been injured except for Randall and he's there playing 40 minutes a game and he's killing it, but it's just not long-term sustainable. He's not going to be making five, six threes a game every game. He's not going to be dropping 35, 40 points a game every game. He's not going to be focused on defense every game. How do we know this? Because we've seen it firsthand in in the, earlier this season. We saw it last season. We saw it in 2019, his first season with the Knicks. He's just such a, he's such a streaky player himself that makes the team itself streaky. And we need we need something that's that's just more consistent. I'm not saying that we should trade him and get more losses. I believe in Brunson. I believe in Barrett. I believe in Obi being able to put it together and still work their way up. Uh, I'm not on the boat of trading all of our young guys to get a, you know, quote unquote superstar player to play with Brunson and Randall. Cause I don't think that's long-term sustainable either. Uh, you're only, you're always going to be one injury away from mediocrity at that point. I don't believe we're stuck at mediocrity with the with the young guys we have. They all have high ceilings, and they're all learning to play together. Deuce is killing it. Fourth fourth quarter last game, he had two big three-pointers. I love Frank Nilakina, but Frank could not have done that any time in his career with the Knicks. But I think Deuce, he did like once, maybe. He, might, he may have done it or once. Or that may have been a daydream I had. I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> I, I like to think so, too, but we know for a fact Deuce did it 
against against Toronto and was a big reason why we were able to keep up the lead. But uh, Randall deserves to be an all-star, 100% killing it, but we got to put him <clears> on the train block, see what we can do, you know, what we can Let get me- with him. Just to for us to duck the allegations of being like haters of Julius, which we're not. We're giving him all due respect. And me personally, even kind of going back on what I said on a previous episode, aesthetically him not being somebody I liked watching, even his game in that regard just looks smoother. You know what I mean? Like he's looking like more of a confident, like those step back threes, you know what I mean? Um, it, he's just looking like he's leveled up as a player. But this is me speaking from the dreaded devil's advocate position against what you're saying Mo to kind of offer some representation because there are Julius like fans in our fan base that are like you know they are pushing for like kind of that agenda of like yo let's how about we get Julius some help you know what I mean since this is like they believe this to be the new like a more sustainable Julius so speaking from that devil's advocate point of view why don't we hold on to Julius why don't we buy into the fact that he's 28 and this is him literally like starting his prime right what if this is who he is given all things told being that like this isn't a COVID season where it's like the 10% capacity arenas. This is like regular situations where packed arenas, he's playing smarter. He's got a point guard that like actually measure measures up to his quality of play as well. It's not like Alfred Payton or like young kids that like we want to see develop into the point guards. You know what I mean? Why don't we like, you know, build around this Julius buying it being sustainable and, you know, knowing the fact that, the contract isn't really that bad. You know what I mean? It wasn't even that bad when he had a down season. And especially now, the way he's looking, it looks like another steal, right? So, speaking as only devil's advocate, because I don't really buy into this shit. No matter how good of a case I'm making, this is just me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a wordsmith, bro. I'm good with the words. But I'm, like, I'm speaking from that point of view. Why, why should we trade Julius? You know what I mean? Why wouldn't we, like, buy this as authentic? I mean, even well, aside, even aside from buying it as authentic, like the type of play style and the the touches that Julius Randle requires, like it's just taking away from other players at the end of the day. Because you can't have uh, a player like Obi and Randle on the same roster with a coach like Tibbs specifically, which. It seems like Tibbs is going to end the season. The way it's been going, like it seems like Tibbs is going to end the season no matter what. So you have another season of non Obi starting potential minutes and. You know, RJ, another player that we're talking about where I feel like his development has been a little bit stunted by Julius Randle. So if it, even if you're not talking about um, what Julius does on the court specifically, you could talk about what he takes away from other players. So um, it, it's not to say that Julius is a bad teammate. And I feel like all these, these comments, no matter what, make it just paint out to say Julius is a bad guy. But it's just his play style specifically. He requires the ball in his hands. He requires like uh, a lot of touches, and like if you look at it percentage wise, he's probably like thirty percent of your offense, maybe even more, 50 percent of your offense. So you want you want your young guys to continue doing that because a guy like Julius, you keep him on your roster. All of a sudden, those picks that you have, these picks you've been hoarding, they're only for trading out for other players. You can't really use them to draft more players and get more young talent in and like a turnstile of young talent, like something like the Grizzlies have been doing where they have young players, they develop one of them and then trade them out for another good player. Like I think the Knicks should be in something more like that instead of having a 28-year-old aging star, you know, to, to, to be the the fodder for our, our team. Like Right. And more in line to, to answer your question, Nafi, if – if we're trading like RJ and IQ for a player, then are we assuming that player is going to be better than Randall or like kind of on his level? The number Let's one say, example is Zach Levine. 
that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, exactly. Let's, say, like Zach, Zach I mean, Levine, let's yeah. say Zach Levine is the example here. You know what I mean? Like, apparently him and uh, Chicago are not on good terms. Let's say in this hypothetical scenario, let's get Julius some help in the form of Zach Levine. That'll be our big three. We got Julius. We got Brunson. Levine and let's say Mitch is still in the equation. You know We're what I mean? talking about three guys who are not known for their defense, right? And in our main three guys, in Brunson, Randall, and and in this case, hypothetical Zach Levine. Ran, yeah. Again, Randall's playing his best basketball at an to me, I believe an unsustainable level. We can't assume he's going to be playing at this level long term, just from historical standpoint. If he does, then that's that's great. I just it's hard for me to believe it just from what I've seen in four years as a New York Knicks fan and what I've seen out of Randall. He's just not going to be able to maintain this level of play. And if you have Zach Levine on the court, then you're you're going to have three guys who need the ball in their hands the entire time. He's Randall needs to player into yeah, offense as well. Randall plays his best when he's when he's shooting the most out of everybody in this team. I mean, can we trust him to be playing at this level in the playoffs? We've seen him in the playoffs. That was one of the worst Randalls we've ever seen again in that Hawks series. So. No, I don't. I don't believe he's going to be able to maintain this level of play, especially in the playoffs when everyone's hounding him. Is way more focused and have done their homework to know what his tendencies are and what what happens when those shots don't fall anymore. What happens if he's not making six threes a game? He's not Steph Curry. He's not Clay Thompson. He's Julius Randle, right? He's those shots are not going to keep falling. And once those shots don't fall and they're not they're not producing at the way that they are now, then can I? Is it fair for me to assume that he's going to start losing it on the court? That his focus will will drop, his his momentum and his motivation will drop. I think that's a fair assumption because we've seen it game after game after game. So for him to play at his best, his shots need to fall. He needs to feel motivated on both sides of the court, and that's just not something I can I can expect from from Randall. He's 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 been in the NBA for almost ten years now, and like what you see is what you get. He's in his prime right now, but I don't see it you know changing. I'm inclined to, I mean, I'm honestly, like, was just taking the devil's advocate position for content purposes here. You know what I mean? Show, show the listeners, that, like, you know, we could be fair. But, no, I agree with pretty much, like, the whole line of thinking. You know, like, I was a staunch, like, Julius advocate, like, get him the fuck out of here advocate. You know what I mean? For a while. Probably alternating between off seasons. And, yeah, I think, like, the whole reason or the whole kind of messaging that was sold to us as a fan base of, like, oh, they're going to hold on to Julius over the summer and try to, like, um, ride it out with him was because they didn't want to sell low, right? Now, you know what I mean? We're here now where his value has bounced back up. So if we're following that logic from the summer, from the messaging that was, like, leaked out to the fan base about, like, oh, you know, because there was a point during the summer where we were all, like, you know, despite the Donovan Mitchell conversation, people were like, yo, why why isn't there that urgency to get rid of Randall or Tibbs? You know what I mean? We ended up keeping both. Part the reason that was kind of like leaked out to fan to the fan base was like you can't sell low on a on on an asset right that, and that's the type of like front office Leon Rose Brock Holler these guys have like shown themselves to be you know like if they have an asset they're gonna try to maximize that value and flip it like you know we saw it with Knox you know what I mean um so yeah like but we're here now where his value has bounced back up right and fuck that devil's advocate shit I'm with y'all like we gotta <laughs> not like I'm not saying like Tank, like shoot them off or like spare parts and right, like tank right. the season no, right yeah there is a way to like it, like the orlando example is perfect right there is a way to like maximize your value Vucevic was balling they orlando found a desperate trading partner in chicago and they got wendell carter and draft assets one of those being uh was it franz wagner they won that trade easily right 
and the way Randall's playing now, he's playing better than Vucevic ever did. So to me, we need to get a package that's commensurate with his value. I'm not saying like yo settle for anything, but he's played well enough to the point where now is the time we gotta like you know we have a, a, a position of leverage now. His contract looks like a bargain. You you sell that he's in his prime now. He's matured as a man. You know what I mean? Like he's showing that he can uh, uh have cohesion with a ball dominant point guard. Now is the time to sell high and get what you can because to me a a good management is based on their level or their ability to like mitigate risk and like maximize value and like bring back you know positive output or positive assets for their organization one can also argue that they could just play it safe and be like yo he's playing well we're trying to get it into the playoffs why like why rock the boat right i could buy that kind of uh, like thinking if they hadn't said that like yo shit went left last season we're gonna end up keeping him right and because like his value is low all right, so we're going off of what, you know, that logic. Value is high right now, right? We got young players that are balling out too. Let's trust in the young players' growth, give them more of a prominent role, trust in the Jalen Brunson effect, and then get some assets for Julius, right? I'd, I, I'd rather see that than, like, you know, going all in on Julius because I think that could end up, like, you know, have us going a few steps back, you know what I mean? Because... That that's who Julius is. He's a, he's an enigma, bro. Like every other season, it's like it's a roller coaster. And do we want to hitch our wagons to that for the long term future? I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm inclined inclined to say no. And that's despite the fact that yeah, he's balling the fuck out right now. Like he deserves all credit. He's an all star, looking like an all NBA player. But that's where I stand on it. Yeah, and it sucks to say that if Randall were traded, I can I can imagine it going south at least for the rest of this season real fast because he's really been the best player outside of Brunson. Everyone else has been play, playing solid, but like I really need to see R.J. Barrett step up. I know he has been in December, and he's been playing at a high level, but he has been playing better than Randall. Randall has easily, objectively, has been playing outplaying R.J. Barrett. If Randall is not on the court, then there, there are a lot of games that we would have lost already. So... Yeah, with with a trade like that, if we're not getting a value piece like Mikael Bridges right back, and we're getting a lot of assets, again, it's not a bad thing. But we have, can we trust our front office to be able to flip those assets for a better player? That's you know, we we couldn't we couldn't get Donovan Mitchell, and there's a whole story on on why we couldn't get Donovan Mitchell. It's not entirely the Knicks front office fault, as, as we believe. At least yeah, I believe. It's crying over spilled milk. Yeah, exactly. At this point. But it it needs to be a trade that makes sense where we continue to win games. Right, I mean, if it's hard to do that when you're giving up the objectively best player on on the roster right now, or second best player on the roster right now, are we gonna continue to get these wins, or are we gonna have a season again where we're not gonna make the playoffs? I think with Randall on the team, if he's able to maintain this level of play, I think being in the playoffs is reasonable, at least in the play-in tournament. Yeah. yeah, but if he's not on the team, then can we trust R.J. Barrett to play consistently and not be streaky? I don't know. My, well, my thing is, uh, uh, no, real quick, no, no, you go for it. I think you're going to yeah. be a little bit more on topic. <laughs> my thing with Julius is like, the Vucevic is a good example, but to your point is like, we need to find value, right? If it's not Mikhail Bridges, who can we get, right? I think another good template to kind of use for a situation like this is the Sabonis trade that just happened last year. Sabonis is balling out. He's an all-star big man. Julius is playing better now than he did at the, than Sabonis was doing at that point. What did, what did uh, Indiana get? You know, they got... You know, Tyrese Halliburton, I think some draft capital as well, right? I don't know the particulars, but that ended up being a win probably for both parties. I think both teams are happy now. 
I think that's a good template. Like, see if you get an intriguing young piece, mm. maybe some draft assets, and probably there's going to be some contract filler in there, right? So, yeah, I mean, we're not saying, like, sell low. I think that's the overarching point we want to shoot for right right here, right, with Julius. Like, we're not hating on him. We're not saying, like, get him the fuck out of here. It's just like, yo, if you're going to eventually explore a Julius trade, now seems like the perfect opportunity. I feel like we've got some good examples. Vucevic, Sabonis. Those are good kind of uh, um, standards to level, like, um, compare yourself against as far as, like, trade return. So that's what I want to see, you know? Well, also, there's, like, a few roads that the Knicks can take from here because they've, they've been, like, consistently trying to have their cake and eat it, too. So they could go down the path where they continue with Julius Randle, and that path can take you down two ways. Either Julius Randle starts playing poorly again and we don't make playoffs, or, you know, he continues playing well they make playoffs. The way we're looking at this Knicks roster, I don't really see it likely that they make it like let's say the first their ceiling would be like the second round making it past the, like making it past the first round the second round but that's not really likely and the other path they could take is Ju- trading Julius Randle and relying on their young guys those guys take them to the playoffs which there's a difference between a 28 year old and these young guys taking you to playoffs your expectations are way different everything is way different but the thing is if you're able to trade a guy like Randle and still make playoffs you're netting assets and that's where the Knicks should be at right now in my opinion. They should be at the point where they're still trying to net assets instead of trying to like cash in their chips. They're trying to still accumulate more things. So like worst comes to worst Julius Randle leaves the team, we end up quote unquote tanking doing bad like this is the worst scenario. You own your picks, you own more picks like gain more young players you got rid of the oldest player on your roster we don't have Todd Gibson those guys anymore the Knicks would be moving in the young direction that we've been wanting to see we've been hoping and wanting to see them move in towards so I feel like no matter what at the end of the day the Knicks are in the driver's seat right now we could just see this front office taking a lot of different directions and I feel like like to be honest we're gonna benefit no matter what from a Julius Randle good season we benefit keeping him we benefit we make the playoffs or we, we lose him and we get assets. I I don't really see a lose, losing scenario for the Knicks. Yeah, it's kind of funny to say. I'm pretty content with where we are as a team, where we have I, these I'd be okay with keeping Randall. It's, we don't lose. It's kind of wild. Like, it's kind of wild when people are upset I, when when they're like, "Yo, why are we why are we cool with with Tibbs winning all these games? Why are we cool with Randall playing at this level?" Like, no, these guys should be let go. And like Tibbs has been a good coach. I it. And it's yes, yes. You can go back to previous episodes where I was demanding Tibbs get fired, and you know I'm I'm not completely off that boat, but I have to admit that he's been a good coach so much so that they got a hundred. He got a hundred wins as a Knicks coach in three in two and a half seasons, right? Two and a half or eighth three, coach, three seasons. Eighth Knicks coach to ever do it, right? And we still have another half of the season to go, a little bit more, so he could potentially get more wins. He's been developing all these young young guys on the team and he's been getting the best Randall that we've ever seen twice so the fact that he's able to do that is is credit dude like I don't I don't know how you could coach a guy who was so low last season and bring him to a point right now where he's willing to give up the ball to to Brunson and earlier in the season Randall was not the focal point he let he let Brunson be the focal point he was letting RJ get his touches and now that RJ's gone he's been in a position where he has to step up where he has to be the guy because there's nobody else there to step up so no Randall Randall has been great this season overall and so so has tips I'm not. I'm not saying he's the best coach. I still believe that long term wise, it makes sense for Tips to establish this culture of winning, which he has, and from there we get it. We possibly get another coach to really take him to that next level. Let 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 the Steve Kerr come in next. That's what I'm looking for. 
Yeah, and like at the end of the day, we're all realists. So like, if we're not like banging on the fire tips drum as hard anymore, it's just because we realize that like, it's gonna be an easy case for Leon to sell a Dolan about like why he won't fire his best pal. You know what I mean? Like, he'll just be like, no, like this last two, three years stretch with Tibbs, we this is the best the franchise has looked in terms of ever. You know what I mean? Since like the mellow days. Um, we're looking like another playoff team where we got a winning record going into a new year for the first time since the 54-win season. All our assets, like, young guys. You know what I mean? This is a easy case to make, you know? And as much as like we want to like kind of like scream into the void and like this may not be the most ideal way we want to see our Knicks return to greatness, at the end of the day, Leon has shown he believes in incrementalism, and this has been an incrementally good season. Like in terms of like measuring in increments, like the season piece by piece, we've gradually like gone into a positive direction again. You know, got all our assets, got young players that are balling out. We got a All NBA player that returned to form. You know what I mean? Like that's why we're not gonna exhaust ourselves talking about fire tips, go for wholesale change, because. That agenda will co- present itself. There will be opportunity. If this team is as, <laughs> as, as bipolar as we think it is, there's going to come another losing streak. That's when we can get back on it. That's not being the, a bandwagoner. Well, we, I that's love the way you said that. <laughs> Everything <laughs> can coming. change. Don't worry, guys. Everything can change it's next coming. week. Everything exactly. we said could be complete bullshit. Next week, it's we're going to be tomorrow, saying, man. you're right. One of those losses again. Again, the 2022 calendar year, Tibbs had so many, like, 15-point, 20-point, like, Leads and have lost them. Like we didn't forget. Right. We like, didn't forget. We know. We're aware. We also just know like what the situation is. Tibbs is best pals with his boss, Leon Rose. Leon Rose has a close relationship with the owner of the team. You know what I mean. And the situation right now, it's as as much complaining we'll see online and all sorts of social media platforms. Objectively looking at it from the outside looking in, I mean, nationally our reputation is better than it has been in a minute. You know what yeah. I mean? And. Yeah, like, you, it's it's as simple as clean as that. I'm you not going to waste on, my energy. You, know you turn I mean? on our Knicks game, and there's like a 50-50 chance that you're going to either have the best night of your life or the worst night of your life. So you'll take that over the 90-10% chance that you'd have before that you'd have the worst night of your life watching a Knicks game. So Yeah. Yeah, just got to enjoy the ride. <laughs> yeah, so should we move on to the, the next segment that we have? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we want to get negative and then we go positive, right? That's the vibe yes, we're sir. trying to bring yes, sir. into the new year. Yeah. So, our shit list of the week, if you, if, you, if you boys, you fellas want me to, like, tee it up, we're calling this the trifecta of tomfoolery. We've got a three-way tie for who made the shit list of the week. Y'all want to list, just list the name alphabetically right now? These names alphabetically? Let's go for yeah. it. To start off, we got Dana White. Some, some of y'all may have heard him. Bald-headed dude that runs the UFC. Been in the news lately. We'll dig into his details, but I want to go through the whole list first. We got Skip Bayless, another well-known name in the sports media landscape, and we got Vince McMahon. So yeah, trifecta of tomfoolery. These men have all been in the news recent in recent days and in the last week. Let's start off with Dana White. Fights. Why is Dana White on this list? Man, I mean, he finally got caught because you know, mm-hmm. watching that video, you know that there has to be some history of it, but. He got caught on camera, you know, uh, abusing and you know, uh, vi- have like you know having violence towards his spouse, his wife. Put like, hands on her. But he put his hands on his wife, and it, it literally got caught on camera. And you know, people, it's making the rounds through the internet. People are seeing it, and this is the guy who runs the UFC. This is the guy who's the face of the UFC. So it's it's a bad look for him. Mm-hmm. Looked like a, a moment that he's been in many times behind closed doors, but that could just be you know allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. You know what I mean? We don't know. Um, but uh, it wasn't a good look. 
it was a horrific look. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that's why Dana White's on the list. Mo, anything to add? No, I don't want to spend too much time on on this. this we, we wasted it's, way it's, more it's, breath it's than, we, than he deserves. Fuck, fuck Dana White. I'll just be yep. straightforward. Stare straightforward on that. Next. All right, you you then you take uh then you take Mr. Skip Bayless. Yeah, then. Skip Bayless. I mean, fuck that guy for years. He's just been running amok, saying whatever the fuck he wants, and he's not mm-hmm. always getting checked. People try to check him, but he's just such a miserable man that he just doesn't give a fuck and says whatever he wants. Uh, until last week, um, you know, obviously a, a terrible situation on the field um, with with Demar Hamlin having you know going to cardiac arrest on the field. And obviously everyone is, and as they should be, paying attention to the health of him and making sure they're reaching out to his loved ones and just showing their support and praying for him uh, for a for a recovery. Because in a situation like that, it doesn't happen often. Um, Ever. And, you know, thank, all, all, all praises. You know, he's he's good now, and we'll, we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, but Skip, on the other hand, while everyone is tweeting out and showing their support for Demar Hamlin and his family, and you know the Build organization, everyone just support being supportive. He does the opposite and makes a tweet about the game, and you know, does it matter? Like, are we gonna are we gonna go back to the game, guys? Like, it, it was just that kind of vibe, and like that's just it's just so tasteless and just such a disgusting thing to do. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. That's and like, no, to. there's no grammatical mistake. Skip Bayless is Skip Bayless. This isn't a new guy to, to the game, uh, to, to media and to tweets. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knew what he was tweeting. He could have easily double checked if that's really what it was. And the fact that it's still up means that, you know, he just, just doesn't care. So very despicable act on, on Skip Bayless. And that's why he's on our shit list of the week. Yeah, disingenuous bozo that's been at this for forever. Doing this is his shtick, you know what I mean? And he finally got himself enough enough hot water where he had to actually somewhat capitulate and go with that weak ass grammatical error kind of fucking excuse. Yeah. So yeah, Skip Bayless, you a dickhead. And last but certainly not least on the list, y'all want me to sure. take the honors? Go ahead, please. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, who this time last year, roughly had resigned in disgrace from his post, longtime post, as the head honcho at the World Wrestling Federation slash entertainment, uh, because of reports of allegations, very bad allegations. The Wall Street uh, Journal, I think, covered it in depth well, at the time, and he was forced to resign because of a shareholder pressure. Well, he's back now because he, may, he, he enacted a plot to come back into the company that he once ran forever under the guise of, oh, for us to like maximize sale value, I need to be in the picture. So I'm gonna like power my way back in because you know that's who I am. And apparently, because of uh, this, the whole idea of sale was uh, used to push himself back in. The shareholders liked it, and apparently the stock went up on uh, Wall Street immediately with the news. But all told, these allegations are still out there, and they're still under litigation. If I still um follow correctly, Mister uh, Man. Famously not a good dude. Um, I could think I could say that as a wrestling fan growing up and hearing the ro- rumors and stories about the type of shit he was on. And you saw in terms of the content, you, you know, you'd see on your TV screen where, I mean, you could see it. It goes viral like every other month on Twitter. It's like, oh, I can't believe Vince McMahon made this shit on TV. And it'll be like some clip of some hor- horrifically racist kind of character bullshit. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he's on a shit list of the week because... I have to think about him again because as a, as a WWE fan, I feel like I was enjoying the Triple H era. You know what I mean? Him running things creatively, and I didn't want to have to think about this motherfucker again. But yeah, 
Aiding the Admiral. Yeah, you. I believe you said it. It was a year ago. It, he actually retired like six months ago. He didn't even let six. Yeah, barely yeah. let six <laughs> months Not go even. by before he he showed his ugly mug again. So nah, Vince McMahon. I will say though, on this list, like you know, after we've like listed out everything. Not like Skip Bayless obviously deserves to be on a shit list, but like sandwiching him between Dana White and Vince McMahon started to make me feel like, eh, like what he did was like comparably, you know, like oh yeah, it's like a shit sandwich, but like the 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 bread are like two humongous turds, and <laughs> yeah. in the middle is like some diarrhea drip. That's good. Yeah. You know what I mean, not as bad, but like yeah, it's still nasty and smelly. Some horrible people should be. Uh... In, in a list with. Yeah. Trifecta of tomfoolery. You know what I mean? Well, it's a nice, it's it's a nice audience way. And listeners. It's a nice way to put it, you know? Exactly. Yeah, to our audience and listeners, this is the most politically correct. We were workshopping it beforehand. I had much more brutal language. <laughs> we had like four drafts of this. <laughs> yeah, the, the homies here like uh, talk me out of it because uh, for politically correct reasons. Honestly, maybe we should now because these people deserve all the, yeah, you the sons sh- of bitches. shit talking that they deserve. Some, Trifecta some of tomfoolery. Get out of here. They don't. They des- They don't deserve that level of respect. All right. Anyway, take us home, Mo. Well, we still have. <laughs> we still have one more list. Oh, right, yeah, right. My bad. My bad. Um, just, yeah, uh, another segment. Just. Me. Just to end it. You know, end this on a positive. On a good on note. A good note. You're right. Get this bad taste. We have our champ of the week, and this one was very easy to to decide on. Obviously, you know, this is a Nick's podcast and Nick's show and Nick's brand, um, and the team itself has been playing excellent. But this this week's champ of the week has to go to Demar Hamlin, Buffalo Bills. Uh, player who went to cardiac arrest, like I mentioned earlier. But, um, you know, again, all praises. He, you know, it looks like he's making a recovery. He's still in critical condition, so we should all continue to wish and pray and support for the best. But the fact of the matter is that he still was able to come to his senses. I, I, you know, I don't want to, I want to make sure I'm saying it correctly. He, he's, he's come to his senses and he's able to communicate with his guys, his players, uh, fellow teammates, family. And that is, a, you know, much, much better than the other way it could have gone. And it could have mm-hmm. gone the other way as it has gone for many other players. So shout out to shout out to Demar, to Demar. Shout out to all the doctors that that's helped him. Shout out to the to the uh, the emergency field personnel who were right there right away um, to, to, you know, come in with AEDs and, and help him resuscitate him. He had to be resuscitated twice, I believe. Um, and that just goes to show, man, like the healthcare. People in healthcare are just incredible. Uh, shout out to you, Faiz, who's trying to get into that realm. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, of course, shout out to all the emergency personnel and everyone. But also, I want to say shout out to like the NFL community in general, because like moments right. like this, you really see the true colors of the fans and what what's really important to them. And you saw a lot of fans prioritizing the health of Hamlin, the the mental health of players on the field who had to witness such a a gruesome, you know, like, I know we see a lot of injuries, concussions, a lot of scary things, but you never see a player literally be, like, literally dead on the field for, like, the sport that we love, something that we're so entertained by. So, shout out to the Bengals fans who went to the hospital to show support. Shout out to everyone who donated to Jamar Hamlin's foundation Mm -hmm. to, to, you know, spread positivity and in such a dark time. So, you know, overall situation, just glad that it came out with... a positive note that Hamlin's breathing on his own. He was just able to tweet as his his teammates scored a touchdown. So you know, really glad to see everything's everything's in a much better situation now. Yeah, it's beautiful to see like that entire league like mm-hmm. as, as notoriously bad as the NFL's reputation is for justified reasons. It was good to see the the players, the organizations rally around Demar and happy as hell. He's like you know what I mean, responsive. Because that was a scary sight. Couldn't imagine, like, what his family was going through watching it. Like, I think his mother was in the arena. Had to, you know, be rushed to the hospital as well to, like, be with her boy. All the thoughts and prayers really helped things 
you know, kind of turn out on a positive note now, right? So I just wish him the well in recovery. And, yeah, man, that was a tough sight to see. But, yeah, happy it's all kind of looking up now. Yeah, man. All right. That, you know, wraps up this episode of Nickish on a more positive note. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NickishNYC and give us that five-star review on all podcasting platforms. Uh, leave us a review. A review. Uh, we're planning on doing something special for a reviewer uh, every week. That's coming up soon, so keep an eye out for that. But start giving us those reviews. It helps us out on the podcast, and make sure you check out our apparel on nick-ish.com. We've got something special coming up soon uh, in the month of January, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, until next time, take care, everyone. Happy New Year. Peace. Peace. Peace.